Maisie, promise you'll dance every dance at the ball tonight with me. That's out of the question. Aw, oh, come on, be a sport. You know there's no one else I'd rather dance with but you. Really? <laughs> I don't believe it. Listen, baby, to my plea. Won't you come dancing with me? Be my baby and say yes. Or else I'm done for, I guess. To dance with you is thrilling to my poor ego. So baby, say you're willing to shake a leg. Oh, won't you Charleston with me? Won't you Charleston with me? And while the band is playing that, oh, bodio do Around we will go, together we'll show them how the Charleston is done. We'll surprise everyone, just think what heaven it's gonna be. Welcome to Broadway Radio's This Week on Broadway for Sunday, November 8th, 2020. My name is James Marino, and in the broadcast today, we have Peter Felicia and Michael Portantier. Peter is a playwright, journalist, and historian with a number of books. His columns appear at Encore Magazine, Masterworks Broadway, Broadway Select, and many other places. Good morning, Peter. Good morning. Good morning. Also with us is Michael Portantier. Michael is a theater reviewer and essayist. He's the founder and editor of CastAlbumReviews.com. He is also a theatrical photographer whose photos have appeared in the New York Times and other major publications. You can see his photography work at FileSpotPhoto.com. Good morning, Michael. Good morning. Good morning. With us this morning, we have a very special guest. Harvey Evans is joining us by telephone. Broadway fans will know Harvey from... I'm going to take a long breath now. Sure. <laughs> New Girl in Town, West Side Story, Redhead, Gypsy, Hello Dolly, Anyone Could Whistle, George M., Our Town, The Boyfriend, we talked to Sandy last week, mm-hmm. Folly, Sextet, Barnum, Sunset Boulevard, The Scarlet Pimpernel, and Oklahoma. Harvey, thank you so much for getting up on a Sunday morning and talking with us. My pleasure. I can't believe I did all those. <laughs> uh, you, you know, is there one that you think about and you're like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, Redhead. What, you know, what was it like being in Redhead? Redhead was a funny experience. Uh, 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 we, uh, I was, uh, let's see, uh, there was a, 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 a big... Mm, Fosse was about ready to explode mm. at that point um, <laughs> to, 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 to become a, a, a director, choreographer, director, and all that. And he wasn't the fun Fosse that, like, New Girl in Town <laughs> um. uh, or, or Damn Yankees was. He was a little stern and a little um, 
little more uh, nervous about his reputation. And so out of town redhead was not fun. We had, we, we the dancers especially had to rehearse constantly. And uh, we, we sort of rebelled and said, why is he making us rehearse so much? And, and mm-hmm. all that. And, um, there was a number I was involved in a number with three other guys about uh, the blood is on the street and they're killing everybody. It was a, it was a grotesque sort of number. And the cast thought it was wonderful until we did it for the first night opening night and it bombed. And so that was out. So uh, I didn't have that. I didn't have anything really specifically wonderful to do at Redhead. Um, mm-hmm. uh, except work with Gwen, which is beyond belief. I mean, she's just brilliant. And, and so, uh, uh, I didn't stay with redhead very long. So, uh, uh-huh. that's my redhead. Uh, one of our listeners, Alan Teasley is, uh, chiming in here and he said that you were a great source of information on merely marvelous, the, uh, documentary of Gwen Verdon. So you, uh, did they, did they come and interview for you for a long time for the documentary? No, not not a long time. Me and Leroy Reams, we had. I worked with Gwen and Dem Yankees and New Girl in Town and then Redhead. So uh, and did the the Mamba with her on the Ed Sullivan show. Um, so I I was close to Gwen. I loved Gwen, and so me and Leroy just both came in and talked, and that was it. No, mm-hmm. um, but boy, did I love her. I mean, of, of all the uh, Broadway divas, I guess it's Gwen that was mm-hmm. my favorite. Uh-huh. The Mambo clip is just amazing. Mm-hmm. Is, is any of that actually included in that documentary of Gwen? I don't think so. I think they they, they do the one with Bobby with Fossey oh, from, from the movie. <laughs> well, uh, well. Yeah, All right. Anyone? Now the question becomes: um, Here you were in three successive shows with Gwen Verdon, and in terms of auditioning, in terms of callbacks, uh, did they uh, decrease in number as time went on? Uh, were you cast immediately? Did Bob Fossey say, "Oh, I've worked with you twice. I know who you are. You've got the part in Redhead." Or um, was it an arduous audition process even for the third show? No, actually, he he gave me the the uh, uh, I did the movie of Pajama Game and uh, out in California, and he said, "Would you like to come back to New York to do New Girl in Town? I'd mm-hmm. love to use you. You'll have to audition, but you'll get it." So uh, <laughs> I said, "Of course I would." You know, yeah. So that's, right. that's how that happened. New Girl in Town is famous slash notorious for that red light ballet, mm-hmm. um, where indeed um, George Abbott, the director, thought it was too dirty, quote unquote. And uh, Bob Fosse was certainly upset about it and um, shaved a little bit here, a little bit there. But as Abbott said in his bi- autobiography, uh, it came on, down to the same thing. It kept on returning to what it was. Do you have any memories of that ballet? And in fact, were you in it? Yeah, oh, I was in it. I had a big thing in it. Yeah, it was it was dirty uh, out of town, <laughs> but uh, we we came to uh, out of I think in Boston. We came to rehearsal one day, and the, the stage door said no admittance, police closed or something like that. So uh, we knew something was up, and uh, the next day we found out you, you, the ballet's cut. Uh, however, after we opened in New York, little by little, Bobby would call us in. Uh, maybe every two weeks or something. And the ballet got back to where it was without really uh, uh, Abbott and Hal Prince knowing that it was sort of <laughs> the same thing. So uh-huh. um, it was brilliant. I mean, uh, 
all those things that you see in the movie, the cabaret and all that, that was the first time you saw girls lying on their back with their uh-huh. legs rolling. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. it was, it was really, and Gwen, Gwen was so uh, into uh, uh, organic acting then uh, from uh, her studies with all those people that she uh she wore a corset in that ballet and uh john aristides would pick her up and carry her upstairs to go to bed and her boob would sometimes fall out of her (laughs) and she didn't care i mean that Uh was that's i was like Uh part of it so we all thought oh this is fantastic we love oh gwen gwen can do no wrong i mean gwen Gwen and Sandy, by the way, when I, when we get to her, well, you know, they're both my favorites. So who, who can um, blame you? Um, indeed. Um, so you were uh, Sandy's dance partner, in essence, in the boyfriend, right? You you played opposite her. You weren't playing opposite Judy Carn, right? No, opposite Sandy. Yeah. Uh huh. And of course, the uh, I didn't see the show, but nevertheless, the 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 reputation of it is the fact that when you two came on, everybody enjoyed themselves substantially more. Well, it's just Sandy. It's Sandy. I mean, I had uh, I was on the verge of not wanting to dance anymore at that point, and I had done Our Town, the uh, the play with Henry Fonda, and all these wonderful character people, and they kept calling and saying, "Would you please do Bobby and the Boyfriend?" Uh, and I kept saying, "No, I want to act. I don't want to dance. I I want to act." And and we were in ca- uh, Hollywood with. Uh, with our town and they called and said, well, we'll we'll offer you $50 more. Will you do it? I said, no, I don't want to do it. And then the third or fourth call, they said, well, you'll be playing up as a Sandy Duncan. Well, that did it. I said, well, okay, whatever, whatever you're a fool. If you don't play opposite Sandy Duncan, I mean, she's glorious. So Uh I said, yeah, I'll take it. So I went back to sort of dancing and singing and, um, now, how did Never. you know Sandy Duncan at this point? Um, was it from Canterbury Tales? Well, I saw her in uh, uh, Canterbury Tales, yeah, and okay. I knew her from rep- her reputation with uh, oh. with uh, uh, City Center and stuff. And oh, I right. saw her on a lot of commercials, and she was just a joy. Uh-huh. You know, gotcha. When I was at um, in Theater Magazine in 1998, we did a photo feature on Harvey's career, and uh, I've I've scan I've dug out the magazine and I've scanned the pages so we can include them with the show notes. But we have a photo of Harvey in our town with Elizabeth Hartman and uh, with uh, Anne Margaret in the TV version of Dames at Sea and with Ginger. Oh, Michael, Rogers, God. Ginger <laughs> Rogers in wow. No Nanette. Yeah. So um, that that's something that that you can all look for. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, Michael. God, Absolutely. you make me feel so good. <laughs> Back to the pajama game. I think it's so sweet that Harvey, of course, is just in the ensemble. But in the Hernando's hideaway number, he's the guy who gets to say, poopsie. And <laughs> twice, there, there's no one on the screen but harvey and and in what well in one i owe a lot to Fo- to bobby fossey uh he you know he started me and and i he was loyal and i was loyal and i don't know oh, whatever wonderful. <laughs> uh, under those circumstances i do recall um you're telling me once that uh, you were a big doris day fan while growing up and uh, little did you know shortly after getting out of uh, school that you would um, be in a movie with her and actually be holding her up during a number that your <laughs> hand would be on that sacred body. Um, oh, yes. God, yes. And I still have a, 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 she, on my birthday. 
uh, we were shooting, and she brought in a, a eight by ten, bigger than an eight by ten picture, like ten by fourteen picture of her saying "Happy Birthday, Love, Doris," and it's framed in my house. And, oh, that's great! Oh yeah, she was, and she was just a joy. She was another joy. Mm-hmm. And Margaret was a joy. She was a joy. Ginger Rogers was not a joy, <laughs> but well, <laughs> um, no, <laughs> no, no. She was a little. Yeah. Funny. <laughs> Funny. That sounds like a euphemism. <laughs> well, she had trouble. Go ahead. She had trouble learning her lines, and, and she took all the rehearsal time up. Uh, and then she blamed when when it was the day before we opened and we weren't ready. She said, well, nobody's ready. And then it was because she did wasn't uh. ready. And uh, I. Mm. Now, what and was I, the, I think what was the deal? Somebody, did, did she play Lucille or Sue? She played. What's the older part, Sue? Sue. Uh, uh, she played. Killer. Yeah, she played the Ruby Keeler part, but, but because she said that she and Fred Astaire invented the Castle Walk, she should do uh, uh, "You Can Dance with it." So she took that away from. Uh, oh. whoever was playing the other one. And wow. I had to do that. I did it with her and she had trouble learning it. So that's uh, the photo we have, Harvey. Is it? I guess. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she, she blamed the conductor, which was, uh, oh. oh, that wonderful man who's gone. Oh, he was just terrific, but she, she had trouble with her, her rhythm to, well, why am I dissing her? I'm sorry. That's no good. Um, no. So you've uh, been able to work uh, a number of times uh, on shows written or partially written by Mr. Sondheim. Uh, you and, bet I have. And, oh. and we continually come back to Follies, but tell us about, uh, do you have any different experiences with Mr. Sondheim that you can share? Yeah, on West Side, uh, uh, when I was a replacement on West Side Story, but he came around the theater a lot, uh, he, and he wasn't that much older than the rest of us, so he was, I befriended him, and it wasn't like uh, the great Stephen Sondheim, it was just sure. the guy that wrote the lyrics, and I loved him, so I grew, I, I had a nice relationship with him all through these years. Uh, because of that. So when uh, Anyone Can Whistle happened, um, I got it in, uh, through Herb Ross and whatever. And uh, he he was uh, uh, timid. He was behind the scenes uh, for a lot of that. And there was so much trouble with Angela and, and you know, casting and Lee. Uh, but I, I don't know. Anyhow, he, 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 he wasn't participating much in the uh, what out out outgoing stuff of of, of New Girl in Town, uh, of of anyone can whistle. So um, I don't know. Then I got Follies, and uh, um, he uh, he's just the, he became the great Stephen Sondheim then, mm-hmm. and I still have a nice relationship with him. I love him so much. Um, um, sometimes he's scary. Like we all are, you know, <laughs> but, all, yeah. uh, you know um, yeah. but boy, I right. am I lucky to be those, those four shows with him? Wow. All right. Um, you know, of course, uh, with Follies, um, here's Michael Bennett. He's on uh, a nice trajectory. He's 
done shows that have been unsuccessful, but he gets Tony nominations. He's done shows that have been successful and he gets Tony nominations. Um, <laughs> auditioning for him uh, at this point in time, it's 1970, 71, that, around that time. And um, are you hearing things about Michael Bennett saying, oh, he's intimidating or uh, anything like that? Or did you? Uh, no, because him? I had known him. I had uh-huh. known him from when he did West Side Story. So he was just another leather jet or another shark to me. And so uh, and I had done a, a Milliken show for him and uh-huh. maybe something else. I don't remember. But uh, uh, so, so he was just Michael, a friend. He uh-huh. wasn't in, the intimidating Michael. Uh-huh. Um, there's a famous story um, about in Boston that um, uh, Hal Prince said, wow, it works. And Michael Bennett says, no, it doesn't work. And um, were you privy to any of those discussions where uh, there was um, any type of disagreement between Prince and uh, Bennett? Uh, not, yes, sort of, but, but uh-huh. not sort of secretly. Uh, we knew that Michael, uh, he wanted some holograms in the show and a whole lot of other stuff and he, wow. a little more humor and we were aware there was tension but we never saw it they those guys are professional they wouldn't mm-hmm. do it out in the open mm-hmm. same with jerry robbins and robert wise on the movie west side you never saw them argue but mm-hmm. uh, you know they did um mm-hmm. yeah uh, sure. they, they kept it all professional and so we never we never we knew that michael and hal were at odds with each other about the show but uh not mm-hmm. not not for us to know. Mm-hmm. Speaking um, of speaking ahead, of West Michael. Side, um, Harvey, I don't know if you all have quite realized this, but we're now two months away from the 60th anniversary year of the movie of West Side Story. Oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. and I am I just, still alive? God, am I still speaking? Much, you are very much. And I was wondering if maybe you could recreate for us your two spoken lines from the movie. <laughs> If you give them to me, I will. Okay. <laughs> okay. The first one is, where are you going to find Bernardo? Where are you going to find Bernardo? Where are you going to find Bernardo? <laughs> the other one's a lyric. The other one, yeah, a spoken lyric, actually, uh, in Krupke. The trouble is he's growing. The trouble is he's growing. <laughs> Thank oh my God! What was like so what, what was it like to find out that Jerome Robbins was fired? That must have been astonishing. Oh, it was terrible. Oh yeah, it was a bad day on the set, uh, including for Natalie, especially Natalie, because Natalie loved him so much. Mm. Uh, uh, I don't think we knew we knew there was trouble, but I don't think we knew that was coming. I don't think mm. we, uh, you know, anticipated that. That was a big, 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 big blow. Yeah, not do you fun. Recall, do you recall the next time you saw Jerome Robbins? Uh, did it come up uh, when you, you know, was it at a party or anything like that? Do you have any recollection of that? Uh, no, I think I saw him at a, a rehearsal for something the New York City Ballet was doing. And I used uh-huh. to go to that a lot and see uh-huh. him there. Uh-huh. Um, um, so enough time had passed that it wasn't uh, relevant. Speaking of No, firing, we didn't talk about it or anything yeah. like that. Speaking know. of firing, um, there's the famous story about, um, you mentioned Angela, Angela Lansbury in uh, Anyone Can Whistle, that uh, Nancy Walker came to see the show, mm-hmm. and um, there was talk of the fact that she might replace Angela Lansbury at that point. Um, do you recall that day? Did you know any of that was happening? Yes, we did. We knew that was happening, mm-hmm. and it was awful. Um, but I don't think many people know this. The reason that she didn't get fired was because the uh, Henry Lasco 
had a heart attack yeah. and the understudy had to go on. And we came into rehearsal the, that day and uh, he, the understudy did not know his lines. And uh, so Angela said her line and he did, he went, um, and Arthur said, here's your line. And, and Angela said the next line. Well, it got so bad that Angela started laughing uh-huh. And Arthur started laughing, and uh-huh. it seemed like that broke the ice for them. And Angela started getting meaner. <laughs> Arthur wanted her to be meaner and not so sweet and uh-huh. all that. And she she kept saying, "But I've I've been so mean in my yeah. movies and all that. And I don't want to be mean. I want to be a I don't know cheese puff or something." <laughs> and uh, uh, Anyhow, she got meaner during this rehearsal oh. and Arthur started laughing and it seemed like it broke the ice and that was the end of Angela. I mean, thank God, because we would have no main Mame, no yeah, no Sweeney right. Todd with right. Oh. Yeah, that's yeah. and she was brilliant. Yeah. She just didn't want to play a certain way and he wanted her to play a certain way and uh he was relentless and she was stern about it. Um well, I'll never forget getting the original cast album on LP, of course, of Anyone Can Whistle and taking the record out of the jacket and seeing four songs on the first side uh, because there's this enormous thing on the first side. Uh, simple. And what was it like to hear that very strange piece of material, that lengthy piece of material for the first time? Uh, did you say, my God, this is daunting. Uh, we'll never do it. Uh, nobody's going to like it. Uh, what were your reactions to that? Very strange. About everything you just said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was hard. It was very hard to learn. And uh, we knew that the audience, uh, when we sat in the bleachers and pointed at them, we knew that was a little hostile. Ah. Um but we 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 everybody in that company would have uh, gone under a train for Stephen and and Arthur. We were a dedicated company to the success of that show, and we kept thinking. And Arthur kept saying, "It's not going to work out of town, but it'll work in New York." Uh, well, we thought that, but it didn't. So. Uh, um, I have a question. Uh, famously, there won't be trumpets was cut uh, and is not on the original uh, release of the album. Mm-hmm. And the reason given was that uh, that they, right before it, Lee Remick had a rather lengthy speech and it was felt that the speech was so powerful that the uh, song seemed an afterthought. I, I, I always thought maybe that was a um, a version of the story that was given out to uh, have her safe face, and the real reason is that they didn't feel that she sang it that well. But it sounds really fine to me on the album now that me it's too. restored. And I was just wondering if you recall um, having the impression that she was struggling with it. She was struggling with it. She had a. a uh, it's a funny rhythm. There's a rhythm in there that that mm. Uh, mm. backbeats and stuff, and and she had trouble with that out of ah, town. And I think that's the reason. Um, uh, plus, the speech was wonderful, too. I mean, God. Uh, uh, yes, yes. But I'm so glad that it's out because that's, it was a wonderful song. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. You know? One of the best, I think, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Do you uh, have any uh, reminiscent uh, stories that you can share with us to talk about uh, when you were involved with Annie Warbucks? Whoa, only that I loved being there. And we had the best in that little tiny theater down on Second Avenue yeah. or something. Uh, we all were crammed together and Harv 
our personnel was right in there with us, dressing with us. And, and it, it was a really tight, wonderful company. And uh, I wish that it had been more successful. Uh, it was a, jo- a job I loved. I just loved it. Mm. Uh, yeah, there's so little written about it that uh, anytime somebody is uh, has you know some sort of uh, connection with it, I have to ask about it because it has been so little documentation about it. And uh, why is that? You think because Annie was such yeah, a big? I think so, yeah, uh, I don't know, but but and, and that wonderful song. Um, Oh, I can't think of it right now, but the Harf song about the, uh, a younger girl. Oh, yeah, right, yeah. that's glorious. Oh, man. We loved it. Everybody in that company loved it being there. Um, so it was a it was a joyful job. I'm just so it's funny. I had a, a I was on my way to work one day from the subway and it was that blizzard time when it, it, it was snowing every day. And I had an Annie Warbucks jacket on. Um <laughs> uh, and I walked by a homeless man and he looked at me and I, he started following me and I got a little nervous. But then he said, the sun will come out tomorrow. I don't think so. <laughs> well, I just broke up laughing like I should have given him all the money I had in my pocket, but I didn't. But it made me laugh so much. I told Marty that, you know, that, oh, God. Now, um, the show uh, that, uh, that you've done that probably uh, we all know the least about um, is Sextet. But Sextet was uh, a rather forward looking show, wasn't it? I thought so. Uh, and uh, I just got a message from Jerry Orbach the other day. I haven't answered it yet. We uh, That was another company that loved each other, except for that one lady, that older lady. I won't say her name, but okay. she was a, a problem. But the rest of us, my God, Dixie Carter and, and Jerry and oh, all of us, we had a wonderful time. And we were, uh, I don't know if this is known, but the director was not coming around right. And we had him fired. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. The six of us in the company had him. We, we, we wound up with a new director. I don't know if it's all documented, but, uh, um, and we opened and closed right away. But, uh, but this, this is a, a gay musical uh, to some degree, right? I mean, there are gay characters. Right, in, yeah. Uh, well, I think it's the first time that yeah, yeah. Me and, me and Bobby Spencer did kiss on the stage, yeah. uh, um, uh, which uh, I didn't mind the, at all. What was the audience reaction? Uh, I don't remember. Uh-huh. So then it wasn't bad, I don't think I hostile because yeah, yeah. I would have known if it was sure. a hostile reaction. Sure, you know? I remember, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's all for the best. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> In uh, 2006, you uh, did the encore's production of 70 Girls 70. Uh, and what was that like to... Uh, um, in, in the 2000s, uh, put on a musical from a yesteryear like that? Well, I have to say at a certain age, when you get hired, you love it. You mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, I don't, if, if I would, uh, the last, what, 15 years of my life, I don't judge anything anymore. I just do it, and I'm grateful for the work. Uh-huh. So um, I loved being in it, and uh, uh, it, it didn't seem old to me. We all were love being there and uh uh a good time I don't know well. <laughs> yeah yeah um so had um 
you know, have you uh, looked at some of these things that you've uh, yeah, you've done in, in Encore? Did you actually ha- have you done a Seventy Girls Seventy previously, or seen a production of it? Or uh, no, I hadn't. No, it was all new. It was all it new was to old. me. Uh-huh. So it's it. It doesn't matter. There was I Encore. remember that the. the, the well, during Follies, uh, uh, Hal Prince one day said, between 70 Girls, 70 Follies, and something else, the ambulances on Broadway are going to be sure. continually working for sure. old, the older sure. people dying. Sure. And it made me laugh a lot. You know, now now I'm not laughing right, at indeed. this yeah. age. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and we all lose our charms in the end. Yeah. So, no, it's oh my true. God. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, and especially, of course, the 70 Girl 70 did um, also have a death in its family as well uh, right. during its Philadelphia run. So, in fact, yeah, I've, I've yeah. often heard that one of the reasons it didn't succeed is that everybody was so nervous watching that older cast. I'm talking about the original production. And, uh, thinking who's going to be next so they if david burns had not died they may have had a very different show so oh what a good thought oh wow yeah who knows anyway Uh, i love david burns oh my god he was outrageous you know (laughs) whatever as Leroy Ream said, if David Burns were acting today, he'd be in jail. Yeah. So. Uh, no, oh my uh, God, we'd all be in jail. <laughs> <laughs> you stood. You stood by for Jim Dale and Barnum. Uh, tell us about what was it like to stand by for Jim Jim Dale. He didn't let you go on very often, did he? No, he didn't. But that's okay. I love Jim Dale. I, uh, I'd love to see him, and now I lost contact with him. But um, uh, I would get a call like I didn't have to go. That was before we had all these things that you know you could call in, and uh, so I had to call in every night. And mm-hmm. but I didn't have to go in, and he, and suddenly I'd get a call at like nine thirty. He's losing his voice. Come in, and I'd run you know, take a taxi down to the theater and, and put the thing on the costume and something and and not go on. That happened many, many, many times, but that's not Jim doing me a dirty favor. That's just him being professional. He was wonderful. And when I did go on, I went on in the middle of the show and, uh, it was weird. Um, uh, it, it was not fun to stand by, especially in a role like that, because I had to go in every night to walk the high wire yep. at uh, six thirty and and yep. uh, practice stuff I needed to do and all that stuff. Uh, I also it was a hard you, job. I remember you telling me at the time, uh, you know, the, the natural inclination when you see somebody is to say, "How are you?" And of course, when you're standby and you say it to the star, "How are you?" The implication is, uh, <laughs> "Are you sick?" Yeah, are you- tonight <laughs> my night. <laughs> I never thought of that, God. <laughs> Harvey, oh, I, 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 one thing I really wish I had seen you in was "Hello Dolly" as Barnaby. Mm. Uh, and who? How many dollies did you wind up actually doing it with? Carol, a uh, Channing, uh, Betty Grable, and BB uh, Osterwald and Eve Arden. Wow! Oh, so you're in Chicago? Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. When when Eve Arden came in, she was wonderful. I loved it. Um, yeah, wow. Someone um, recently posted some photos of her in it that I had never seen before, and she must have been so delightful in that role. 
she was so delightful and delightful as a human being. Uh, we had a tragedy happen. Uh, one of the little uh, younger ensemble people, uh, his mother died in oh. Chicago on an accident in the lake. Mm -hmm. And uh, oh, wow. Eve Arden took those kids and just mothered them. And she couldn't have been better. I can't, I, I, I can't praise Eve Arden enough. I mean, uh, mm. wow, 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 wow. Mm. Um, you did the, uh, the what was it, 2002 revival of Oklahoma. Uh, and uh, it, that was, <laughs> I should say, at the time, a very uh, different look at Oklahoma, and until so we had the, the the latest revival of Oklahoma. Uh, what was your? Uh, how did you feel about the the uh, the production of Oklahoma that you did at the Gershwin? I loved it. I lo I had a great time. Uh, I didn't see the the last one. Um, I was told not to, <laughs> but I won't go into that. <laughs> um, um, don't mess with Oklahoma. Come on, guys. You know, don't don't do that. I don't I don't like when um, I don't want to say English directors, but they do a whole other thing with a show like uh, somebody did with all those crucible, uh, the crucible and, you know, and uh, Eva Van Hoek. <sighs> Well, yes. Okay. <laughs> Are we allowed to say that? Okay. Sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, we're not saying bad things. We just uh, that's not, yeah, that's we just not my favorite thing. with their thing. point of view. That's all. That, mm -hmm. that's, that's all. I know. I know. Um, it's art. It's art. Harvey was also in the 1979 Oklahoma uh, before it came to Broadway. He was Will Parker, and there's a, um, uh, an archival video of that production with Harvey because there is or. Yes, I oh yeah, we've discussed it. uh before um Harry Groner took over because Harry was uh, what was the deal that Harry was doing something else and couldn't He did a movie, a Brubacker with uh, Red Robert Redford. Oh, okay. I I couldn't remember what Yeah, and they called and said, Do You want to come in? And I said, Sure, you know. And yeah. I saw Mary Wicks on television the other day and I went, Oh my god, she was wonderful. She oh, was. that was yeah. And Great Christy cast. Neversall and Oh my God! And but, Jessica Malaski and Christine Ebersole and yeah, the two great cast, Andreas and Ebersole. Yeah, and both Marty, of them, Marty Vidnovic. It was quite yeah. a cast. Yeah, yeah, and we had a reunion about uh, well, I don't know, maybe a year ago, at Sardi's, and Christine Ebersole and Christine Andreas both sang their songs oh. at the table. Yeah. I stumbled into that. I happened to be at Sardi's. <laughs> oh, right. You I were looked, there. I oh. looked over and I'm like, why are all did you <laughs> Did you hear them singing? Did no, you stay I, for that? No, I guess I didn't know. Uh, I think maybe I had to go see a show. Or, yeah, or, I remember because I kept saying, stay, Michael, stay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> unfortunate. But at least I got to be there with that group. That was a wonderful experience. And then I did it once at Jones Beach, too, Oklahoma, with Judy McCauley and uh, wonderful people. Yeah. Who was conducting? <laughs> uh, uh, Milton Rosenstock. Was he really? Oh, oh that's great. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> and he come in on the boat, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. The fireworks every night, you know. Yeah. Day for the fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> did you ever get to perform in the rain out there? 
That's, oh, uh, good point. No, but 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 they said, don't worry, it's seven days a week, but there'll be times when you'll have a day off. Uh, but what we had to do, if it rained, we still had to go out there on the bus and wait uh, and then come back. Yeah. So you really never got a day off. Yeah. You're like a minor league baseball team. Mm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and also, it, that stage was so big that if you – uh, did your scene in the in, inner stage a little closer to the audience you had to, to time your e- exit or your entrance about 30 lines sure, before to sure. get to the place where you had to be yeah. it was weird yeah. <laughs> but i liked it yeah. and i like fireworks so i got to see fireworks every night <laughs> you know <laughs> stay on stage for the fireworks you can't leave you know <laughs> <laughs> oh that's good to know that's good to know. So uh, you also um, uh, did some touring, a lot of regional productions and things like that. Uh, what are some of your uh, favorite uh, places you, you, that you've been to uh, in your career? I liked uh, St. Paul and Minneapolis a lot, wow. and I liked San Diego a lot. Uh I have to say, though, uh, the 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 joy of my life. I think if if you could say what's the your favorite show, it was doing Lacage with Larry Kurt because uh-huh. uh, we I knew he was not well at that point, and uh, I had been his friend for so many years from West Side Story. So that was a joy beyond belief to be with him and tour with him and do that show with him, and we were so we, uh, our relationship was so. Uh, terrific that we knew how to top one another on the stage Uh, Uh, not not pull focus but you know we just knew what to do to and so it was a joy to to do that show with him and i miss him dearly every single day of my life Mm. i miss larry that was Um, the uh, national tour in 1987 Uh, yes the last tour i think mm -hmm. you know that Leroy was supposed to do and pulled out of it. So I got it again, yet again. See, we, we're from Cincinnati together. I don't know if you know that. We danced together as kids uh, in Cincinnati. I'm a, As he keeps saying, I'm a little older. Uh, <laughs> he keeps saying a lot older. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Well, Harvey, I want to thank you so much for joining yes, us on Broadway Radio. It's really wonderful to talk talk. Oh, with you I hope up. I was okay. God, oh, I haven't. Perfect. You got the <laughs> Well, I don't know about that, but <laughs> <laughs> you guys are. I love it. I, I'm so dedicated. You guys are so wonderful. I just want to praise you a little what a bit. Nice thing you to know? say. Well, thank okay. you. Well, thank it's you. true. It's true. It's true. All right. Well, we will talk to you soon. Okay. Indeed. Great. All right. Love you. Thank you. Okay. So we all know how a VPN protects your privacy and security online, right? But I didn't know this until recently. It's taken my TV watching game to the next level. You can use a VPN to unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries. Last week, I used ExpressVPN to binge Doctor Who on UK Netflix. It was so simple. I just fired up the ExpressVPN app, changed my location to the UK, refreshed Netflix, and that's it. See, ExpressVPN hides your IP address and lets you control where you want sites to think that you're located. You can choose from almost 100 different countries, so just think about all the Netflix libraries you can go through. Love anime? 
Use ExpressVPN to access Japanese Netflix and be spirited away. But it's just not Netflix. ExpressVPN works with any streaming service Hulu, BBC, iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. There are hundreds of VPNs out there, but the reason I use ExpressVPN to watch shows is that it's ridiculously fast. There's never any buffering or lag, and you can stream HD with no problem. ExpressVPN is also compatible with all of your devices phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and more. So you can watch what you want on the go or on the big screen wherever you are. If you visit my special link right now, expressvpn.com slash Broadway Radio, you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. Support our show, watch what you want, and protect yourself at expressvpn.com slash Broadway Radio. That's e x p r e s s v p n dot com slash Broadway Radio. And thanks to ExpressVPN for continuing to support Broadway Radio. It's so wonderful to catch up with Harvey.、Mm. Uh, you know, it, I, I, well, I was talking with Michael、uh, last week and、uh, after we had recorded with Sandy, and, Sandy Duncan and.、Uh, And we talked about Harvey for a second. I said, Oh, you know, we, we just, you know,、mm-hmm. we had Harvey on, but it was so many years ago. I, didn't I had、realize. not realized it was 2011. Yeah, it was so while ago that we had Harvey on. It's、mm-hmm. a, and that was a great conversation, too. I went back and listened to it. So、mm-hmm. I'll put that in the show notes if you want to go back and listen to Harvey's、uh, discussion. In I'd love to. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, Peter, you、uh, got in the Felicia Mobile and headed up to the New Paltz area to see a production of True Love Will Find You in the End. Sounds like、oh. a song from the Drowsy Chaperone, doesn't it?、Um, <laughs> yeah, this is in New Paltz. It's at the Denizen Theater. Now,、um, uh, faithful listeners will know that I often say that I've seen close to 12,000 shows in my life. And indeed, I've kept a record since I was a little boy of everything I've seen, when I saw it, what I thought of it, where I saw it, et cetera. And occasionally I will look through the book and I'll say, gee, I have no recollection of that show or that show or that show. I have a feeling this is one I'm going to remember for the rest of my life. Um, <laughs> For, for a very specific reason. And, you know, we've talked about the fact that when theater comes back, there's going to be a lot of、uh, one person shows because、uh, there's been so much consternation about the fact that actors on stage acting together and、uh, you know, they're forcefully speaking, and as a result, little droplets come out of their mouth, and that's going to be dangerous for actors. So we thought we were going to see a lot of one person shows.、Uh, this is a no person show.、Hmm. This is a no person show. There is nobody in the cast. What you hear are voices about people who are dealing with COVID.、Uh, not, I'm sorry, I shouldn't put it that way because that sounds as if they are afflicted with it. No, these are people who are hibernating. They are certainly making certain they are not going to get it. And this has to deal with what happens when a couple has to live together and really live together. And really live together. And this is certainly something that a lot of us h a s been experiencing、um, during this period of time, especially in New York with small apartments and all that goes with that. So it's been very difficult for a lot of people. And that is what Neil Labute has decided to write about. And this really is the perfect show for the COVID era、uh, if you're worried about、um, actors and if you're worried about yourself for that matter.、Um, capacity at this theater is eight. Eight. 
there are two chairs um, in a square um, on each side of a square, and uh, that's the armless chairs. You sit there, and um, it's in a strange way. It's like a symphony um, if you have a bad seat in the sense that you don't really see very much. Um, you don't see anything. Uh, what you see are two rings on the floor, uh, two gold rings, enormous. Uh, I don't mean uh, the size you put in your finger, um, bigger than basketball sized, and um, a water a drip of water dripping. And that's what you see for 46 minutes, the 46 minute show. When I first heard that it was being done, I didn't realize there were no actors in it. And I thought, gee, they're doing shows at four, six and eight on a Saturday night, the poor actors. Uh, that's a lot to do. And then I thought, no, um, you know, considering it's 46 minutes, that's not so much of a workload when you come right down to it. But it became apparent to me that uh, there were going to be no actors in this show. However, I have to say that the sound designer really did a spectacular job. And I don't know if any of you know of something that was very big in the 60s called Stereo Action. And Stereo Action was a series of recordings that came out. And because Stereo was rather new, um, essentially 58 is when Stereo really started to become something. Uh, in the early 60s, there were um, engineers who were playing around with sound. And what you could do was hear... Um, Stereo go from the left side of your speaker all the way to the right and back again. There was an album called Stereo Action Goes Broadway. You know, that's one that I had mm -hmm. uh, in which they actually had um, the song Camelot and they preceded it with the sound of a horse um, coming down a moat. You, you heard the moat, um, the bridge of the moat on the moat come down and you heard it squeak going down from side to side. Then you heard the horse come out um, before you actually heard the song. So, um, so there's a lot of stereo action in this show and very impressive stereo action because sound comes from here and then it's there and oh listen it's over there and so there's a real ping pong effect that's uh, that's quite effective um also the lighting is wonderful as well because it's got to be a light show um it's it's not a light show in the rock sense but it is a light show um in the sense that you had to uh the, the mood really did change with the with the lights since we didn't have um since we didn't have actors but we did have a lot of good uh, perceptions. Um, there was a question of whether during the COVID area there would be a lot more breakups than babies. And, you know, both are possibilities, aren't they? <laughs> uh, when the actor said, each day brings her closer and closer and closer to me, there was a nice ambiguity on uh, what he meant. Did he mean, I'm so glad we're getting closer? Or, oh, my God. God, I wish you'd just go away. Um, mm. you, know, um, you know, in a strange way, what you were doing is um, going back to the pre-television area. This was sort of like a radio play when you think of it. Um, and you think about families sitting around the living room or, or, or in front of their big, enormous radio um, and listening to, a, to a, a play on the radio. And that's essentially what this was. Now, to be fair, a lot of people may feel, um, you know, I haven't even been that crazy about watching things on my computer on Zoom. So uh, why am I going to go to uh, New Paltz, New York and listen to a show when I could see a play on Zoom? And, you know, that's a very good rebuttal. I, I won't uh, take issue with that at all. That said, though, uh, <laughs> this was quite an experiment. And it was an experiment for Neil Labute in a different way. In that I don't think there was one profane word in it. Not mm -hmm. one. Um, and you would think with people living together for six months at a time that there could very well be profanity, as I'm sure there is in many a household uh, these days. But, um, but you know, if, if this comes to New York, I'm not saying it will, if this comes to New York City, 
Um, <laughs> I guess uh, the drama desk is going to have to think about that unique theatrical experience uh, <laughs> category because that's exactly what this was. And that is why I will remember true love will find you in the end, now and forever. <laughs> now and forever. <laughs> okay. So that is uh, True Love Will Find You in the End up in New Paltz. And I have a link to that in the show notes. Yeah, it runs uh, till the 22nd. Until so the 22nd. Still, so there's, there's still some time, time to yeah. check that out. Just parenthetically, that, that thing you said about stereo action, um, I can think of a few examples where that was used in actual cast albums. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, RCA the, was crazy for it, yeah. Yeah, then the one that left to mind uh, for me actually was uh, in uh, the Gypsy original cast recording, uh, All I Need is the Girl. Yes, he does tap dance here and there and everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oliver, How to Succeed and Let It Ride were albums that made use of stereo action as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, and they, they proudly proclaimed it in the liner notes as well. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Michael, you bring us some news that uh, one of Staten Island's theatrical leaders has passed away. Yes, I wanted to memorialize a wonderful woman and a great actress, Catherine Capofari. Um, it's spelled K-A-T-H-R-Y-N, Capofari, C-A-P-O-F-A-R-I. Uh, she was a mainstay of Staten Island Theater for decades. I had the privilege of directing her in The Glass Menagerie as Amanda, and I, it certainly was one of the highlights of my theatrical life. She played wonderful roles in a wide variety of plays over the years. Uh, she wasn't a musical actress, but uh, she did such roles as um, the lead, I forget the character name, and Oh Dad, Poor Dad, Mama's Madam Hungry. Madam Rose Petal. <laughs> <laughs> Madam Rose Petal, thank yeah, you. Yeah. Yes, I knew you would do it. Know it. Um, uh, Marvin's Room, she played the, the older character in that uh mrs mcelhenny in the time of the cuckoo mm -hmm. um uh, her other credits include bedroom farce and american daughter uh wit she did wit ah. that incredible role uh, mm. and even obscurities such as veronica's room mm -hmm. uh she it was wonderfully versatile she had a a, a great voice that could work as the most gentle characters or the most fierce ones, as in, for example, Oh, Dad, Poor Dad, and some of the other ones that I mentioned. Um, she could, and, and her Amanda was just exquisite. Um, she, she really got every nuance of that character, I think, and she, she gave a truly heartbreaking performance. Um, in that case, I remember that she didn't raise her voice ever until the very end of the play mm -hmm. when everything mm -hmm. goes to hell, mm -hmm. uh, when her, all of her dreams mm -hmm. for her daughter are dashed. And it turns out that the gentleman caller that, uh, that came to visit is engaged to someone else. And she is so hurt and devastated mm -hmm. and angry that she takes it out on her son, Tom, to the point where he leaves forever mm -hmm. and i will i will never ever forget that moment unfortunately it was before we started to make uh you know little vhs tapes of, of the of the sure. shows there uh it was just before the era when that had started to become really popular and so i do not have that i wish i wish i did but i do have my memories and i will always remember Catherine as a brilliant actress and a very really sweet 
beautiful, wonderful woman. I'm not remotely surprised to hear this. One of the reasons I go here, there, and everywhere to see shows is because mm. I learned long ago that there are so many brilliant performers out there, here, there, and everywhere. People who decided that they wanted that paycheck on Friday, they wanted uh, marriage and children and all that goes with that. But that doesn't mean that they didn't have the talent and the ability to really shine in so many roles. And there are so many, you, you all out there, you know who you are. You know how wonderful you are and how you continue to do great performances that a lot of people don't know about. But I'm glad when I find you. Yes, mm -hmm. and this lady worked uh, for years in a, in a hospital. I'm, I'm not sure exactly what her title was, if it was nurse or something else, but that she was in the medical field, and that was mm -hmm. her decision. Mm -hmm. And to Peter's point, yeah, as I've always found, um, I think when you see uh, community theater shows like that, it, what you're not going to necessarily get is consistency uh, among the the actors uh, as far as at the level that you do on a more professional level, but you will f often find individuals who are as talented, uh, if not more so. <laughs> than, if not than, more so. Yeah. Then some of the, I, I, I really, she, um, she, her Amanda was up there with the best that I have ever seen in my life. And, she, and there were other people there, uh, you know, in that milieu, that Staten Island theater milieu uh, over the years. So I, I really, it, it's, I mean, but she had a wonderful life. I actually don't know her exact age at, at her death, mm -hmm. but she was quite old. And she, as I said, got a chance over decades to do many wonderful roles and uh, just, a shining light of, of the theater on Staten Island. Oh, that's so, so wonderful to hear about, mm -hmm. you know, that such wonderful art is not only relegated to just Broadway, nope. but, but no everywhere. And, mm -hmm. and we've all, uh, I've occasionally mentioned, you know, uh, my experiences with people who I've worked with in all different circumstances, uh, that are just, some of the most amazingly talented people. So mm -hmm. don't, don't mm -hmm. uh, shun yeah. your local, your local theaters yeah. because you can really find tremendous gems there. Yes. Uh, we are recording on Sunday morning. Uh, what is it? November 8th, which is just a couple of days past the United States election. Uh, and everybody's probably exhausted <laughs> uh, from watching various cable channels and news news outlets on online and stuff like that, but I did want to mention that our friend Jennifer Ashley Tepler has been providing hours and hours of entertainment online uh, with re in relation to uh, in relation to the election. And uh, if you want to go check out her Facebook feed, I'm going to put it in the show notes. She's got two of them that were just very very funny. She's, she wrote, I have not refreshed the New York Times this many times while not hiding in a bathroom stall at open, opening night. <laughs> 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 and then the, the other one that I'll, excuse me, mention here is uh, Trump's lead in Georgia is now the size of the Minskoff. <laughs> so, you know, puts it in perspective for sure. uh, the, broad, sure. the Broadway fans. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, this week, we wanted to talk a little bit about... Um, Movie musicals that should be redone. Uh, so, Peter, why don't you explain what you mean by this topic? 
Well, uh, so many times we go to a movie and we expect it to um, really reflect what the Broadway show was. And of course, in the 20s, 30s and 40s, um, that didn't happen at all. Uh, in the 50s, they started to gain to be more faithful, but there certainly have been exceptions to the rules. And um, so a lot of them have been played with terribly and uh, deserve a very different chance. I'm going to first mention Irma LaDuce because um, I've often said if there were a revival of Irma LaDuce, the hit musical from 1960 on Broadway, it was done in London, Paris before that, um, people would say, oh, they made a musical of Irma LaDuce. No, there was always a musical <laughs> of Irma LaDuce. It's just when the movie was made, there were no songs in it. Well, not really. There was a de-donk in there a little bit. But um, but they did uh, cut Billy Wilder cut the songs. And um, I would like to see an Irma LaDuce um, with the songs. Now, uh, this is... This was highly unlikely even before the Encores revival, but now it's out of the question because a lot of people think the Irma LaDuce stinks because of that uh, John Doyle production, uh, which is too bad, you know, because it really is quite a fine property. I, 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 it may be too late for it in the sense, you know, the prostitute with the heart of gold uh, type of um, feeling and uh, her being very much at home with being a prostitute um, and uh, not seeing herself as a victim to men um, may be a problem in this era, but nevertheless, all things being equal, and they're not, but all things being equal, I would love to have seen uh, a musical version of Remla Deuce on the screen. Hmm. Michael, how about you? Well, one thing I wanted to mention before naming any titles is that now we have uh, the, the, the alternative of TV musicals uh, now that they have become hmm. popular again. So that increases the possibility uh the potential i i guess for remakes because uh tv films uh, sometimes um tend to be not as quite as killingly expensive as huge big screen remakes uh and then also uh there are different types even within the tv genre sometimes you have actual films that are made for TV, like the Bette Midler Gypsy uh, or the um, Bye Bye Birdie with with uh, Jason Alexander and, and Vanessa Williams. And then you have the more uh, sort of as if the, the shows are being done on, on stage or in a studio uh, and uh, and not film well i mean you know i'm not not sure how much film is used anymore anyway uh but mm. with, with a more live look to them uh rather than than film but uh so i just wanted to mention that that's some, something that we can mention titles and there's much more likelihood that they might be redone either on tv or for tv or for uh streaming and what does tv even mean anymore you know the, the lines have, have blurred so so greatly yeah, with all the streaming yeah. services and, yeah. and and plus the fact that of course now at the moment there there's no you really can't go see a, a movie in a theater or it's very very difficult to do so um so uh, that's just something i wanted to mention uh one of my uh top choices would be carousel uh, yeah. that's that's a very interesting case where if you look at the existing film of carousel you you i you can't say at least i can't that there's anything specific that's so horribly wrong with it uh, as, as far as the casting or or anything but it just somehow to me does not work i think a lot of it is the direction uh and then plus that there's the uh 
the unfortunate cuts, too many cuts uh, in the in the music and the score. I think, um, but it's sad. Uh, people like Gordon McRae and Shirley Jones, they should have they should have and could have been ideal in those roles. I think, but. Uh, to me, they are not, and I think it has to be the direction. Uh, Gordon McRae, of course, was um, rushed into the role. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was not supposed to do it. Mm-hmm. Frank Sinatra was actually signed and actually mm-hmm. got so far as, I believe, showing up on set. Uh, and then, yeah, there are uh, pictures of him in costume. Yeah, right. And and then uh, the, the, the legend is that he learned that uh, they thought they would have to film every scene twice because... Uh, of the new Cinemascope 55 process, the, 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 they thought it couldn't be, uh, it couldn't be. Uh, the, the, some theaters didn't have the projections, right? And and they and they thought that they uh, they initially thought that they couldn't photographically reduce it to be shown in regular Cinemascope, and this is why we have, as we've discussed, uh, two different film versions two actual (laughs) different film versions of at least three movies, Oklahoma, Mm -hmm. Brigadoon, and um, Seven Brides. Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Yes, thank you. Anyway, it turned out that that was not the case with Carousel, uh, as they realized when they started filming. Uh, So theoretically, Sinatra could have done it, but I think everyone I I know agrees with me that he would was really not the ideal choice for that role anyway. Um, I agree. Uh, regardless, I, I think the 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 film that resulted is a tremendous disappointment, and I think that certainly Carousel is considered one of the all time classics of the musical theater and does deserve a, a a better, if not definitive, film version. And it's sad to me that. Um, what did not happen was a remake with Hugh Jackman, hmm. which had been talked about sure for had. quite some time. And now, sadly, I, I would say he's a bit beyond it in terms of age. Uh, so, I, yeah. I, 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 tangentially to this thing is mm. that I think Hugh Jackman looks like the right part uh, for many things, but every time he goes to sing, I, I'm disappointed well I, you know i i think i mentioned a few weeks ago that there i uh, i managed to see uh, a video of when he did the concert of carousel yeah at, at uh, carnegie hall carnegie hall and it it was the weirdest experience james it sounded so much better to me than i remembered huh. um he does have his voice does have that quality that kind of buzzsaw quality uh that you would not think would it would be what you want to hear singing billy bigelow songs but uh, i think he must have really really worked on that one and if you get a chance see if it's still up there um on youtube because i think you'll be very pleasantly surprised yeah i i was actually at that Carnegie Hall concert. Me live. too. Yeah. Yeah, me too. And and uh, at, at the time I thought, well, you know, I admired him, but I thought, oh, that wasn't that great. And I'm not saying it's equivalent to John Rader or Gordon McRae. Don't get me wrong. But I thought he, uh, and also, of course, if he did it for a film, um, they could have, he would have sung it in a way uh, that was different for, you know, for a recording, for a soundtrack than needing to be on a stage and projecting to a huge audience. So I think that might've improved the quality of his voice as well. Hmm. 
So, uh, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm sorry. I, I, I'm laughing because I'm remembering something that happened uh, long, long ago when I first saw Carousel. I like the Carousel movie because of when I saw it. And <laughs> what it has to do with the fact is that um, um, I'm from Boston. Relatives from Baltimore came to visit. And they, um, my mother and father and the two friends uh, decided to go to the movies. And they looked and they saw that there was a double bill of Peyton Place and Return to Peyton Place. <laughs> and um, they said that's what they were going to see. And they said, uh, but of course, you're too young to see those movies. So why don't you look in the paper and see if there's anything you want to see? I looked in the paper and I couldn't believe my good fortune that there was a double bill of Carousel and The King and I at uh, one of our second run theaters in downtown Boston. I was thrilled because I wow. was just getting interested. So anyway, we're driving to uh, downtown Boston and uh, the friend, uh, the woman says, isn't it wonderful that Peter is so mature that he knows that he is not supposed to see these Peyton Place movies and he hasn't bothered us about it. He hasn't complained. No, <laughs> he's really bad. And I thought, to hell with you. I want to see King and I in Carousel. Go see your sleeves. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll always love the Carousel movie for that reason, but uh, <laughs> enough said. That's a great story. <laughs> so, Peter, uh, uh, something I wanted to ask you about. Tony Janicki mentioned that Musicals Tonight did an, a, an excellent revival, revival of Irma Irma LaDuce. Did you see that? No, I did not. I was out of town that week. Um, so um, I'm glad to hear it was good. That's really nice to hear. Um, uh, but... Uh, I, I think that we have a better chance of seeing a, a, a remake of Remela Deuce than Fanny, yeah. which also dropped all the songs. Mm. Um, but I'll tell you one that I would like to see remade um, because I cannot stand the leading lady in the, um, in the role uh, is uh, Annie Get Your Gun. Mm. I am the least, uh, uh, I am the anti-fan of uh, Betty Hutton, who is always over the top for me. And um, Same here. so I, I, I just cannot do it. And uh, the other night, TCM was showing The Greatest Show on Earth. And I would like to revisit that movie, which is often soon to be the worst movie ever to win an Oscar for Best Picture. <laughs> and But I just couldn't face Betty Hutton. So so it's really too bad, of course, that Judy Garland uh, didn't get the chance to do it. Because in the little clips we have of her, like in... Um, was it called let's go west again is that the name of the song um that um she looks very good uh and i think that uh, she, uh, she would have been uh, terrific if indeed um she, she were healthy at the time and uh, and she got the chance to do it so it's really too bad so an any get your gun remake really would be good but the holy grail by the way for all collectors is the ethel merman any get your gun that was broadcast on nbc mm. uh back in um the late 60s and uh, that's that seems to have totally disappeared nobody has that one um ironically enough i have a dvd of it now you're saying wait didn't you just say it's uh, well i have a dvd that's only audio but it's yeah. on a dvd i mean yeah. you have that too michael i have the audio in yeah in, in digital it, form, yeah. yeah it's so bizarre but anyway um so um it's it's time for a new annie get your gun and uh yes drop i'm an indian too while you're at it so yeah, although I, I was just thinking about that same thing, Peter, and I, I, sadly, I think it would never happen anyway because it's not only I'm an Indian too; it's that stuff that happens at the end. Um, you know, uh, I mean, it's possible it could be rewritten. Yeah, because, indeed. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, 
I, I would like it if someone did rewrite it uh, enough for it to be palatable because basically she's a very, very strong character. You bet. You know, uh, it's only that ending, you know, mm-hmm. but, <laughs> but it is only one line. So maybe they could figure something else out. Well, in my book, Let's Put on a Musical, I suggested an ending um, that didn't change a word of it. And um, ironically enough, it turned out to be the ending that happened in the um, uh, Bernadette Peters revival. Oh, yes. Yes. I'm not, I'm not saying that Peter Stone stole it from me. I'm not saying that remotely. I, I, Peter Stone was a brilliant man, and I'm sure it occurred to him um, but that uh, she purposely misses and he purposely misses and she purposely misses and he purposely misses, that it's not important to anymore who's the sharpshoot, the sharpest of the sharpshoot, the sharper of the sharpshooters. <laughs> um, that's not important anymore. The point is that they're in love, and that's what's important. And I think that's a good solution, and uh, that would work for me in a movie. But um, I think that's a brilliant solution. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. Go yeah. ahead, Michael. What's yours next? Oh, um, I just wanted to mention one uh, movie that they are talking about actually remaking, and I wouldn't, it, it would not be at the top of my list of ones that need to be remade, but that's Fiddler on the Roof. Oh, I didn't know that we was talking Oh, yeah, they've actually announced a, a remake oh. uh, directed by Thomas Kale. Oh, how about that? Oh. Yeah. Uh, did you? I mean, this happened all before the you know the world yeah, went I to hell. Uh, so I so none of us have been folk, and who knows what you know if they're even pre-planning uh, or how much at this point. But um, yeah, that that was announced, and uh, so we can see. I, I have very mixed feelings about the existing movie of Fiddler. I think it's quite good overall, but I don't think they solved the problem of the opening number. Uh, which is sung completely in voiceover uh, while we see clips of the, of the town. I, I, I understand why they thought it would be too stylized uh, to have that number done as it is on stage with the, with the cast, uh, the company actually dancing and singing tradition, tradition. Uh-huh. But I don't think that what they came up with really solves it either. And, and to start a, to start a movie, a musical with a voiceover number uh, doesn't seem quite right to me. And then also, um, I have some issues with Topol's performance because some of it is a little heavy-handed, I would say. Um, also, his accent is so odd mm-hmm. that it kind of takes me out of the movie. Um, he is hard to listen to. Yeah. Is, uh, so, uh, so I don't, as again, again, I don't think it's the number one choice. Uh, to be remade, but South Pacific would be a really, really good one. Cause unfortunately I don't think they did a good job with the TV movie version of it either uh, with Glenn Close mm-hmm. um, and et cetera. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's <laughs> one I would love to see. And, and certainly um, S- South Pacific is a, is a story that sadly yeah. will, o- will always yeah. remain timely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, another one that um, <laughs> this is theoretical. I mean, it's it, it would be good if this were made because then people would understand the movie that had been made. And what I'm talking about is The Boyfriend. <laughs> uh, the Boyfriend movie is bizarre. And it's a very, very noble failure as far as I'm concerned, because um, the, the choice was made not to just do The Boyfriend as is, but to have an impresario go to a small little theater somewhere in the middle of uh, England, um, a semi-pro theater at best, uh, and see them doing The Boyfriend and imagining what it would be like after he got his hands on it, Hmm. a big impresario. And, you know, that's a fetching idea. but It is. It is. It is. But the the movie is hard to watch. And Mm. uh, But if there were a boyfriend uh, that were done as is, um, then we could appreciate 
that boyfriend that we have a little more in a strange way. So um, right. um, let's see that happen. Um, funny thing happened is one that uh, yeah, um, I, I belong to a group and we were talking about the movies, we um, our favorite mu- movie musicals and our least favorite movie musicals. And I put funny thing happened on both lists mm. because I like the funny thing movie <laughs> as a movie. Um, I don't like it as a movie version of a funny thing happened on the way to the forum, but there are things in it that I think are really uh, quite terrific. And um, especially in everybody ought to have a maid. There's a scene where the four of them are walking on a viaduct, I mean, <laughs> like a million feet away from the camera. And it's just such a funny thing. I mean, it, a perception like that from a director, uh, Richard Lester being the director um, uh, is very funny. And so there are a lot of little gags in the movie like that, that I think are very good. But um, in a movie of, fit, of, of forum, where indeed Millet's Gloriosus has as much to sing as Pseudolus, something's wrong. So, um, so as a result, I would like to see a new funny thing movie. Yeah, and the pity is, as we've discussed, they apparently did film free. Is that not correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then it was cut. If that was there, that would that would really go. That that's a big loss. That sure song, it because is. it's his it's his I want song. Sure. Uh, it it sets his character sure. so well. That, yep. Yeah, big yep. loss. Mm. Uh, Rob Johnston, one of our listeners, uh, said that he uh, would like to see a, a new a new movie version of Rock of Ages that the previous version starring Tom Cruise uh, was not really faithful to the uh, the legitimate show Rock of Ages, um, and uh, I didn't realize that they were so far they were so far uh, different that they in essence, almost two different properties. Um, I did hear t- that, but I've never seen the movie. Me neither. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Tony Janicki, uh talks, says that there are some really bad versions of Broadway musicals like Kaludali, Mame, Chorus Line that should be remade. Uh, Paul Witte also adds that Mame, he, he seconds that vote for uh, a remake of Mame. What do you guys think about that? Oh, well, um, the sad famous story, which I may have told here, was that when it debuted at Radio City Music Hall, Lucille Ball was there, and um, she came out at the end of the picture, and they booed her, which is really mm, yeah. sad. Oh. I don't like I don't like hearing that. Um, <clears throat> I'll grant you that um, she's a big problem in the picture, and um, and but nevertheless, uh, attention must be paid to a career, and um, that should have um, been the the operative thing that happened there. But um, sure, a lot of people feel it's too late for Mame anyway. But um, mm-hmm. it, it would be nice to have a, a, a very good Mame um, on on film, and of course, the chorus line is one that um, was on my list to mention uh, in a few minutes. But um, I don't know if anything could work with a chorus line. I just don't know. Mm. I mean, it was very interesting to me. I remember when I went to see uh, a screening of the boys of the band, I may have mentioned this uh, back in 1970. And uh, the friend I went with said, um, do you think that there'll be flashbacks for the scenes where um, Emery talks about Dr. Delbert Botts and all that business? And it didn't occur to me that that would happen. And now, of course, in this remake of the movie, they did that. Mm. I don't know. Is there a chorus line that should have uh, flashbacks during Hello, 12, 13, Love? I mean, is mm. that a good idea? I, I don't think it is. But uh, I don't know if chorus line ever could work as a movie. To our satisfaction. As to Hello, Dolly, I have uh, another film that I have tremendously mixed feelings about. I, I think a, a lot of it is not well done, and I unfortunately find Michael Crawford virtually unwatchable and unlistenable. But I think it's interesting that that uh, 
estimation of that movie has risen in in many people's it eyes has. over has. the decades. Yes, and it has. I think it's uh, because people got over the initial shock of yes, it's absolutely true that Barbara Streisand is way too young for the role, and maybe not right for it in some other ways. But she does have the humor that she still had then so yeah, wonderfully. Right, right. Aside from that incredible voice uh and even if you think the voice is maybe not completely the right style for that music it's still an, a beautiful voice i love the soundtrack much more than the movie yeah. yeah so i think that i think her performance in particular um that many people have reconsidered it over the over the decades and also looking back on it she doesn't look quite as young as she was she was 25 <laughs> yeah no it's true um, um, but she doesn't look you know she she's believable as maybe 40 sure sure uh, you know and yeah, and, I agree. I and, agree. and and really dolly should not be much older than that yeah uh, michael i will never forget that one day it occurred to me i said you know i have made my peace with the Dolly movie. And the very next day you wrote an article where you said, I have made my peace with the Dolly movie. I'll never forget that. But what minds you think, think alike with the, with the same expression, you know, and, um, and that pretty much uh, has been the case with me. Uh, so uh, that is uh, quite true. So um, I guess I'd like to see a reel on the town. Um, oh yeah. Because of course, um, so much of the Bernstein score and for that matter, the Compton and green lyrics, uh, were lost. I mean, I, I'll, I was shocked the first time I saw it, um, you know, in, in, I guess it was in the seventies on TV because I expected I was going to see the musical version of on the town and to see it so far afield from it. Uh, and uh, 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 no matter what was happening in it, I was fully convinced that at the end we would definitely hear some other time, one of the great, most beautiful songs in the history of mankind. And it wasn't there. And that's when I really turned against it. Mm -hmm. But my friend David Schmidt says something very nice about the On the Town movie. He says, what I like about it is you can tell the people care for each other. And that's true. So if that can be if that dynamic can be taken into a remake of on the town, I'd be very happy that, um, that were the case. Um, the one I'd really like to see done. Um, and I think there's a possibility of this, um, as expensive as though it would be because the movie is so awful in terms of the fact that there are no close-ups in it of Porgy and Bess. Mm. Porgy and Bess is really basically shot with one camera, it seems, yeah. uh, from mm. afar. And um, uh, they zoom in on Sammy Davis for a couple of minutes. But um, I'm telling you, it, it's like watching – people are always talking, complaining about um, – plays turned into movies a photograph stage plays well that's what porgy and bess is a photograph stage mm. musical i mean it's amazing to me and what's so astonishing if you've ever seen the soundtrack album the, the soundtrack album has a picture of Sidney poitier and uh, dorothy dandridge close up so close up and it has nothing to do with what's really on screen i mean they overwhelm the cover of that album but yes. they certainly don't overwhelm the screen because um uh, auto premature was it wasn't it? Yes, and yeah. also more astonishing because, as I mentioned, five years previously, Otto Preminger had directed the film of Carmen, Carmen Jones, Jones yeah. which is not like that at, at all. all. At all, yeah. yeah. yeah so I, I don't know what, there, you know, as we've read, there, there were tremendous, tremendous, huge problems in the filming of Porgy and Bess. So I guess everyone, I don't know, maybe he gave up. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to see a real Pell Joey too. Um, the Pell Joey that happened um, many years, 17 years after the fact um, was another one where like Can Can, they threw in songs uh, from the 
uh, the writers that uh, didn't belong in the show. Um, and, um, and, and that's too bad because um, I do believe that uh, pal Joey, amazingly enough, a, a show that is now, what, <laughs> 80 years old, um, still holds up in many, many ways. Um, so, mm. um, so I, I will admit that I think in the movie, the use of the song Zip is far smarter than it is in the original stage play. Agreed. Yeah, Agreed. yeah, yeah. But aside yeah. from that, um, I, I would like to have seen the score as is and um, and have it the way uh, it was on originally done. Hmm. I'd like to throw something in before we wrap up for the morning. Um, my favorite year was a movie first, mm -hmm. then adapted mm -hmm. to a musical, mm -hmm. and... I rather liked the movie better than the musical, but I really loved the musical as well. And so mm -hmm. I wanted to see if they could pull some of those things together from each one and remake it into a movie. Because I, I don't think that it's, it, it would survive as a stage show from a commercial standpoint. Yeah, good idea. Well, that brings up a topic for another week, I guess. And that <laughs> is what musicals that we know and love on stage should be movies. So ah. I guess that's in our future. That should be in our future. All right. So before we wrap up for today, I want to remind everybody that you can subscribe to these broadcasts by going to the front page of broadwayradio.com. There's a subscribe link. That way, each and every time we have a new episode of This Week on Broadway, it'll be automatically downloaded to Apple Podcasts for you. Of course, you don't have to listen to us now for podcasts. There's many ways to listen to us. iHeartRadio places, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play, anywhere that you can listen to find a podcast, you can find Broadway Radio's offerings. Contact information for Peter, for Michael, and for me can be found in the show notes at broadwayradio.com, as well as the links to the things we've talked about today. So, Peter, do we have an answer to last week's trivia? She was cast as one of the leads in what would become a Rodgers and Hammerstein hit. He landed a small role in the same production. They each had the same last name, one, has, one that has three syllables in it. But he would change it, not because he wanted to, but because he thought she and the more important roles should be the one to have it. So he cut the final two syllables of his name and retained only the first one, although he spelled it differently. Who was she, he, in the show? Well, we're talking about Pat Suzuki in Flower Drum Song and uh, Jack Sue whose last name really was Suzuki. Um, and so, uh, but he didn't spell it S-U as um, the first syllable of Pat Suzuki's last name is. Uh, it was S-O-O. -O. So Steve Bell was the first to get it, followed by Tony Janicki, Paul Witte, Jake Leonard, Brigadude, Ingrid Gammerman, Richard Carey, Josh Israel, Stuart Ira Soloway, and Robert Lobiondo. This week's question. Remember, you like the convoluted ones. A hit musical has been revived twice on Broadway. The first revival came 20 years after the original open. The second, almost 20 years after the first revival. For the first two productions, a character was not given a name in the script or the playbill, but was named for what he wore. <laughs> Although the title character of the show did use the character's name when speaking to him. In the second revival, the script and character listed the character by name. What's the show? Who's the title character? What's the real name of the other character? And what did he wear that provided the description in the script and in the playbill? <laughs> All right. If you have an They're answer... They're getting stranger, aren't they? Yeah, they really are. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 
me. That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. I, I think that our, our listeners are really digging it because we're getting a lot of feedback. Yeah, on these we things. are. Yeah. I, I get a lot of uh, a lot of emails like what. Yep, indeed. <laughs> indeed. So if you have an answer to that, email us at trivia at broadwayradio.com. If you just want to write what, you can yep, do that as we well. Understand, right? yeah. And uh, we'll let you know if you're on the right track. So on behalf of Peter Felicia and Michael Portantier, this is James Marino saying thanks so much for listening to Broadway Radios This Week on Broadway. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Mm-hmm. around and see. Mm-hmm. And if you love tomorrow, and think of how it's going to be. Tomorrow's what you're gonna have a lifetime with me Sally dear, now that we're man and wife I will do wonders to make your life Soul-stirring and free of care If we fight and we might, I'll concede Furthermore, dear, should your ego need Bolstering, I'll do my But though I'll do my utmost to see you never frown And though I'll try to cut most of our expenses down I've some traits I warn you to which you'll have objections I do have a cornucopia of imperfections I may burn the toast Oh well, I may make a rotten host but no matter what goes wrong Love will see us through till something better comes along I may vex your folks Okay, I may interrupt your jokes You may, but if I come on too strong Love will see us through till something better comes along I may play cards all night and come home at three Just leave a light on the porch for me Well, nobody's perfect Hi Girls Ben Sally I may Oh, 